listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings to all of you wherever you are watching this. We have a handful of people here in the sanctuary. Good to be in the house. God bless you all. We love you. Uh, I would say uh, the vast majority of you are safely ensconced in your pajamas uh, on your couch making sure you are at little risk and I want you to know that's absolutely okay Uh, we love you Um, we miss you I don't know what's worse being apart or not being able to hug each other when you come back together because it's so funny you see someone you're like ah ah, ah, get away get away (laughs) and uh, we love you all this is such a crazy time that we are all living through but I believe we will come through it and somehow God will bring good out of it in the meantime I want you to know God's still forgiving sins and so wherever you are if you have not repented in a while I want you to know right in your living room you can bow your head and you can say God wash me of my sins cleanse me make me whole help me turn my attention on things above not things of this world not only that People are being baptized in the middle of this. We have baptized uh, several people here at the church. You can reach out to us and we will, we will facilitate that in an appropriate manner. And lastly, people are being filled with the Holy Spirit and they're speaking with tongues. Um, it's easy to think it's, you know, you got to have five people around you yelling at you. No, 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 no. That's not how it happened in the Bible. Right where you are, if your heart is ready, I don't want you to wait for someone, you know, official, a real preacher, you know. No, I want you right in your house. I want you to worship the Lord. I want you to ask the Lord to fill you with his spirit. You'll be surprised at how quickly his spirit fills that living room and gives you his gift and so uh, we miss you we love you Um, we will be having an announcement this week on how we will try to start reintegrating our services next week Uh, there's a lot of things we have to figure out a lot of details watch our webpage our social media page um, for details on that you'll be hearing more Uh, I am continuing or shall I say finishing up The series I've been doing on blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? And I have personally found it a very rich study of scripture, a very, very informative and helpful review of blessing in the lives of the patriarchs. I believe all of us want to be blessed, right? I believe all of us want to know that God's hand is upon us, right? I believe very few of us are satisfied with what this world offers right I believe that we are people who are like our father Abraham seeking a city whose builder and maker is God so let's continue with this I'm going to try to finish this series up today in week number one we talked about blessing from God's perspective we know what's in it for Abraham but what is in it for God why would he Why would he, in some manner, tie himself to an individual and say, I will have covenant relationship with you? What's in it for God? In the second week, we saw how a limited view of blessing, how 
a limited view of what God can do for people always puts us at each other's throats. And we always end up in some manner competing one with another and feeling, tragically, as though... Your blessing is less for me. And in week three, uh, we saw how God's blessing was not something that could simply be uh, tricked or bargained or stolen, but it was primarily evidence through transformation. And Jacob has an encounter with God. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. Um, And week four, this past week, um, we talked about how The struggle, the struggle ultimately is a struggle of identity. Are you who you used to be or are you who God says you are? And this wrestling is not simply one and done in our life, but it is a continual challenge that we live out as the old flesh, the old man, as Paul would say. That flesh pursues the things of the flesh and your desire for the kingdom of God within you wars with that and says, no, 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 that's not enough. I need more. I hunger and long for more. I desire more. Uh, And that battle of flesh and spirit within us, God is not going to leave you the way he found you. He is going to transform you, and then he's going to remind you that you are not who your neighbor says you are. You are not who your enemy says you are. You are who God says you are. And this week, we are going to strive once again to communicate what is the essence of divine blessing. What does it mean to have God's hand upon our lives? And I, I want, if the Lord will help me, I want to convey this in a manner that will resonate with you. And you won't simply be entertained in the manner of a good sermon, but there will be something that strikes home in your spirit. If you survey the patriarchs as we have done over the last four weeks, if you survey them, you quickly see that Abraham received a promise from God. And the challenge of Abraham's life was to believe the promise and live as though the promise had already been given even when he hadn't the evidence of it in his life. And he distinguished himself as a person who was able to live by faith. Therefore, he's the father of all the faithful. We all strive to live by faith. Now, Isaac, interestingly, receives this covenant as an inheritance from his father. Abraham had the challenge of faith. Isaac receives it as an inheritance from his father because he is the only son of promise. And he having lost his father, has to build his own altars and get his own faith, his own relationship with God. Now, the sons of Isaac are two. There are Esau and Jacob. And this is the story of how Jacob contests his brother for the anointing. He craves it more than anything else in his life and he he decides that he will do nearly anything for it and he cheats his brother and he lies and uh, he tricks his father to be given the language of promise. But the promise doesn't seem to be revealed in his life because as we've talked about, Jacob will receive none of the inheritance of his father. He won't. Esau receives that. And when Jacob comes back later in the story, Esau's not 
evening up with Jacob. Jacob's giving offerings to Esau. What good then is the favor of God upon his life? That's what we're talking about today. What is there in it for Jacob? This is what Jacob was given. He was given the promise of blessing and he had to live his life as though he had evidence. Do you see the same story as in his grandfather Abraham? I've been given a promise and I'm going to live my life on the foundation of that promise. Hear me. That's what all of us do here and now. We are the sons and daughters of Abraham. We claim the promises of God. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. One day, this corruptible will put on incorruption. It's a promise. I don't have much evidence of it here today, but it's a promise and I'm living as though I had evidence. So, (coughs) excuse me. I don't have COVID. I have allergies. Stay calm. Breathe. So the interesting thing about Jacob is he he discovers what it's like to live among tricky people. Like the apostle said, God is not mocked. Whatsoever you sow, (laughs) that shall you also reap. And Jacob is the one who is now having to guard himself against tricky people of poor ethics. And finally the Lord says, okay, it's time to go back and face your brother. The Lord gives this, and you can read it in the passage, gives it to him as a direction, tells him that he will be with him. And stops talking. Jacob decides to obey and he goes back. And in this moment, you see the fear of Jacob. You see the, the, the image, the scene, the story of divine wrestling. Because it is here where uh, Jacob, Jacob is going to go back to face his brother. And the Lord in this moment of contesting is going to challenge him and ultimately rename him and give him this name Israel or God contends. Not you contend with God, but God contends with you. Let me just say this. God is not your project. You are God's project. I might better say that again for anybody who was maybe thinking about, you know, something else. God is not your project. You are God's project. This is why, hear me, you should never give up on your faith. Though you slip away, though you allow it to grow cold, though you fall in sin, you should never give up on your faith. Why? God is not your project. You are God's project. And God is contending with you. And God is going to wrestle with you and work with you and mold you and make you and yes defeat you and yes break you and then put you back in a place of becoming because you are God's project and he is committed to work with you yes broken you yes selfish you yes lazy you and me yes fearful you and me yes God's not given up on us and this isn't just my idea let me show you some scriptures here Hebrews 12 verse number 6 for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens every son whom he receives or how about Hebrews 12 verses 5 through 11 have you forgotten the exhortation 
that addresses you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For God, for the Lord, discipline, disciplines the one he loves and chastens every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. Do you see? God's not your project. Church is not your project. Living better is not your project. You are God's project. Revelations chapter number 3 verse number 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. You are God's project. Never give up on your faith. I don't care how far you think you have gone. I don't care how much of an embarrassment you think you are. Never give up on your faith. Why? You're God's project and he's wrestling with you. How about some more scripture? Proverbs 3 verses 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father and a son in whom he delights. How about one more just because, you know, it's uh, uh, an embarrassment of riches. How about Psalms 94 and 12? Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom whom you teach out of your law. Are you starting to get the idea here? God is contending with you. He is wrestling with you. And his blessing, you say you want to be blessed, is tied up in the fact he is still working with you. And tied up on the fact that he's not given up on you. Your divine blessing is threaded through and through with his covenant commitment that he's not given up on you. No matter how depressed you are, he's committed to you. It's called divine favor. No matter how big of a mess you make, He's committed to you and he's working with messy you. It is what it means to be divinely blessed and have divine favor. Jacob will live a lifetime and in that lifetime he will receive the blessing of the Lord striving with him, correcting him, rebuking him, and yes, blessing him. And now, now uh, if you see him at the end of his years, uh, if you see Jacob at the end of his years, you start asking yourself, what, what now that his time has seemingly started to come to an end? Uh, what is now his role? If you read the story uh, here in the latter chapters of, 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 of Genesis, uh, chapters 47, 48, 49, the story seems to move on from Jacob to his son Joseph. What is the role of Jacob, this anointed one now that his... Uh, a story seems to be moving on. Well, it's time for him to bless others. It's time for him to represent God's commitment to others. This is shown in Genesis 49 where Jacob prophesies over all his sons, points out their errors, and, hear it, blesses them anyway. Points out their character flaws and blesses them anyway. Points out what they did wrong. Read it, Genesis 49, and blesses them anyway. Hear me today. Those of you who want to be blessed of the Lord, those of you who want to have his favor flow through your life, the last lesson of blessing is legacy. 
The last lesson of blessing is legacy. In other words, his blessing cannot end with you. This matters to God. And God explains himself in the story of the patriarchs. He defines this issue when he tells us in Genesis 18 why he chose Abraham. Have you ever wondered why he chose Abraham? The Lord is meeting with Abraham as Abraham intercedes for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Lord represents himself as a theophany, as traveler, angels disguised as travelers who come to Abraham. And Abraham is interceding with the Lord to save the city. And uh, the men representing this theophany of God arose and looked towards Sodom and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And this is chapter 18 verse, uh, that was 16, now we're at 17. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation. What's in it for God? Remember that? And all the nations of the world shall be blessed in him. Should we hide this from God? And the Lord says, for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken. Why is God committed to Abraham? Because Abraham is not going to let spiritual legacy end with him it's going to be given to his household it's going to be given to his children and so it is with Jacob yes the story seems to move on now to Joseph because mighty exciting things are happening down in Egypt amazing things and even terrifying things are happening in Egypt and maybe God has moved on from me Jacob would think what is my role now if you've been serving the Lord for a long time and you wonder what your role is now and you feel like the story has moved on, this message is for you today. Because the last gift of spiritual blessing and favor is the legacy that you live. All right, real quick, let me catch you up on this because I know that is a fairly heavy subject to deal with. God doesn't simply bless us because we're the cool kids. God doesn't bless us because you're the prettiest girl at the dance. I mean, I hope you are. Good for you. I, I hope God, you know, isn't simply moved by the same things that us humans are moved by. I think God, and I think the scripture bears this out, I think God sees the heart. Um, uh, why would God bless us? Hear me. God's looking for a way to bless a world that he cares about. Looking for a way to change a world so much that he loves so much that he sent his only begotten son that's how much God loves this this world and wants to use you as a tool to make a difference in the beginning say with me Jacob thinks the blessing of God is about possessions how much stuff does he have what he does to get it doesn't matter so much it's what he has that's the sign of blessing and so he's willing to do anything to get more he'll lie he'll cheat hear me when we are driven by a lust for possessions we ultimately cheat our soul because possessions do not minister to our soul he has to flee for his life. And the result of his plan is he gets nothing of the things from his father 
that he had wanted. Instead, he has to pay uh, integrity tax, shall we say, to his older brother when they get back together. And now, having fled, he learns bitter lessons from his in-laws. He learns bitter lessons from a father-in-law who is just as tricky as he is. And God says, okay, enough of this. It's time for you to go back and face the music in Canaan. And Jacob prays with great fear. This is right before the wrestling match with the angel. He prays with great fear. Verse 11, chapter 32, book of Genesis. Deliver me, I pray, for from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, because I fear him. And what does God say back to him? Oh, you poor darling, it'll be okay. No, the Lord doesn't say anything. In his great moment of terror, he says, I'm afraid. Save me from my brother. And God says, uh, nothing a.k.a. silence, a.k.a. the heavens are iron and no message gets through. And Jacob thinking, man, I need a plan, you know. Let's divide the family in two. If Esau kills one group, maybe the other can flee and survive. And his fear is overwhelming and he can't sleep. And he walks away from the tent by the, by the brook there. And there by the brook, the mighty man leaps upon him. And they fight and they wrestle. And the, 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 the mighty man is pinning him and gripping him and fighting. Him and we have one of the strangest images in Scripture. Jacob is both defeated and blessed by God. This is very spiritual insight into how divine blessing works in all our life. As long as we are doing it our way, God cannot remake us into his image. As long as we are fighting it our style, God cannot change us into who we need to be. And it's natural for Jacob to think Esau is the problem. Indeed, Jacob has been praying that Esau would be defeated because, right, Esau is the problem and Esau needs to be changed. Right? And Esau needs to be turned away from his hatred, right? Well, God disagrees. God doesn't think Esau is the problem. In fact, Esau isn't the problem, Jacob. Esau doesn't need to be defeated, Jacob. Esau doesn't need to be changed, Jacob. We've moved past that point. Jacob, you're the person that needs to be changed. Do you want to understand something about spiritual blessing? Or you just want to do anything for more. See what's happening right here. Jacob, you're the problem, not Esau. Jacob's, Jacob learns this. Esau has never desired to be a man of God. He wants this world. And when you want this world, there's good news and bad news. The good news is you can have it. The bad news is this is all you're getting. Do you want to understand spiritual blessing? He gets to have it. I'm not wrestling with Esau, Jacob. I'm not contending with Esau, Jacob. Esau doesn't want a spiritual blessing upon his life, Jacob. I'm wrestling with you. And I am telling you, it's not Esau who needs to be defeated. It is you who needs to be defeated. And the angel touches his hip and his strength is taken from him. And he can only hold on. And what do you say when you can't fight anymore? When you can't fight, you say, well, I can hold on and I'm not letting go until you bless me. Jacob must be defeated in order to be transformed. And what happens? God renames Jacob Israel, meaning God contends. It's not you contending with God. It is God contending with you and now Jacob's life seemingly is coming to an end and the story is moving to Joseph and you see two scenes in the scripture two small 
images given to us in the scripture of Jacob leaving legacy. What is the last thing we do with blessing? We leave legacy. The last thing we do with anointing, we leave legacy to others. God has blessed us that we might bless. God has healed you that you might pray for someone else to be healed. God has anointed you that you may pray for someone else to be anointed. God has filled you with his spirit that you might tell and be a witness that God will fill anybody with his spirit. Like the old timer said, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody that God will save anybody. That's really what we end our story with, the legacy of hope. Two scenes, very quickly. I'm almost done. Two scenes. The first is the blessing of the sons of Joseph. Remember, these sons are half Egyptian. Up till now, all of the uh, sons, the, the, the sons of blessing, shall we say, have been because this family found the extended edges, the third, second, third cousin type, and they stayed within this family. These are the first sons that are demonstrably outside of this family. And it would be easy to look at them with some type of judgment and not see them as is the nature of some. They're not pure. They're not really of us. But Joseph brings his sons to Jacob because Jacob has asked him to do so. And in chapter 48, verse 9 of Genesis, you see an image here. I want you to get this. And so Jacob, having these sons brought before him, Here's as Joseph tells him, these are my sons whom God has given me in this place. We haven't gone and found the edges of the family and stayed true. Uh, These are pure outsiders. And they could easily be mocked by those who think they are better. And Jacob says, bring them closer. Bring them closer. I want to bless them. Jacob can't see, but I want you to see here in verse number 10, one of the few times where the Bible doesn't call him Jacob, the Bible calls him Israel. One of the few times the Bible doesn't call him Jacob. When it comes to this moment of blessing, this moment of transference, you're not who folks say you are. You're now who God says you are. And he prays a blessing over them. He kisses them. He embraces them. He's blind at this point, but at this moment, some strength comes to him, and he says, I can see your sons, Joseph. I've been blind, but I can see your sons, Joseph. And the Bible says, I want you to get this, verse 15, and he blessed Joseph, saying, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day, the angel, what is he talking about? He's talking about a wrestling match with God. He's talking about a night in which he was both defeated and blessed. A night in which God says you're no longer who you think you are. You're no longer who your in-laws think you are. You're no longer who the enemy thinks, says you are. You are who I say you are. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil. Bless the lads. Oh, I love this. Let my name be named upon them. Let my name 
be named upon them. God contends, Israel. God contends. I want God to contend with you boys too. Let my name be named upon them. My whole life, sons, God has fought with me and he's worked with me and he's not given up on me. And if there's one blessing I could give to you, it would be this. I hope when you wake up in the morning, you're aware that God is near to you. No matter what mistakes you make, I hope you feel the arms of God wrap around you and say, it's not too late for you to be brought back. It's not too late for you to find a place of repentance. Let this name that God has given me, Israel. You wonder why Israel is called Israel? Because Jacob prayed over his sons and said, let this name, God contends with me. Let it be named over all of you. I want God to work on you. I want God to convict you. I want the power of God to be near to you. I don't care if you're rich if God's not there. I don't care if you're blessed if God's not working on you. As long as possible, I want God to be contending with you. Let my name be named upon them. And the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. This shows us blessing. It's not the end of the story. So the first lesson of legacy is this lesson of blessing others. But there's another lesson here shown to us by the author of the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11, verse 21. By faith, Jacob. When he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. Here's a legacy you can give. I'm so old, I can't even see anymore. I'm so tired, I wake up tired. I'm, I'm, I'm nearly over. I know you think that I shouldn't get up out of this chair, but I want you to know I am a worshiper. I'll never forget my grandmother, hardly able to walk, get that handkerchief out and start shaking that handkerchief. Could barely walk, but shaking that handkerchief. The second lesson of spiritual legacy is I am a worshiper. Parents, your children need to see you worshiping God. Your children need to see you exalting his name in his sanctuary. And lastly, the third lesson of legacy is shown to us here in this passage that we read where uh, chapter 49 of the book of Genesis where he blessed his sons according to verse 28 Uh, these are the 12 tribes of Israel and this is what their father spoke to them and he blessed them he blessed each one according to his own blessing verse 29 then he charged them and said to them I am to be gathered to my people bury me with my father's Bury me with my fathers. The last lesson of legacy is knowing who you are. And Jacob wants them to know, I am not an Egyptian. I know I'm here now. I know the Lord has placed us here now. Do you see? I know I'm here now in this world, but I want you to know I am not an Egyptian. Here are the three lessons of legacy. And this is the last lesson that we learn from this series on living lives of divine blessing. This 
These are the three ingredients to spiritual legacy. Every one of you who teach others the way to Christ, you need to know the lessons of legacy. Every one of you who have children, even unsaved children, you need to know the lessons of legacy. Number one is blessing. I want to bless everybody. I'm not holding back God's blessing. I want it for others. I want God to contend with them. I don't want God to give up on them. I hope God haunts you till your dying day. Haunt is a bad verb to use. But I hope you feel the love of God until your dying day. Number one, the lesson is blessing. If you're an elder, you still have a gift to give. You feel all alone, shut up in your house. Let me tell you, you have something to give. There's young people fighting the same battles you fought. You could reach out to them and say, I just want you to know I admire the way you're not giving up. The way you leave a lesson of blessing. The second lesson of legacy is worship. Let them see you worship. It doesn't matter if you're tired. It doesn't matter if you've been serving God 1,400 years. It doesn't matter. Let them see you worship worship. If you have to lean on a staff to worship, you lean on that staff and let your children see you worship. And number three, you need to know who you are. I am not an Egyptian. I am, man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I am not an Egyptian. I am here now, yes. And God has made a safe place for me here now, yes. But I want you to know, just as Father Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was God, I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Oh, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, as our uh, musicians come, I had something happen last night that I could not have planned this better. It was just amazing how it was planned. So I was uh, watching YouTube, and my, uh, my little girl come running in there, and she, she's in this phase where she likes to try to sneak up on me and then say, ta-da. And um, she, the good news is that she's not very good at sneaking. And um, so I almost always know she's there. Last night I heard her come in and I heard her kind of tiptoeing up behind me. And I said, I hear a little girl back there trying to pretend she's a ninja, but she's just a little girl. And she jumps forward and she's standing there. And she's like this. And she said, Daddy. Do we have any traditions? And I said, traditions? She said, I don't even know how to say it. I said, what's a tradition? And she said, I don't know. I'm asking you, do we have traditions? And I said, oh, you mean traditions? Do we have any traditions? And I said, absolutely. Almost all families have traditions. She said, well, what's a tradition? And I said, well, a tradition is like something you do regularly and you're kind of known among yourselves for doing it. Like, for example, she, and she said, well, what do we do that's a tradition? And I said, well, fall down hugs is a tradition. Now, y'all don't know what fall down hugs because you're not, you're not near as cool as we are. But um, it's when you get a little person and you stand beside a bed and you hug them, you hold them, and you're like, oh, I love you so much. I'm just going to stand. <laughs> and then you arrange to fall on the bed while you're hugging them. In our house, that's called a fall-down hug. If you have little people in your house, you should do it very fast. They think it's the funnest thing ever. I said, that's a, that's a tradition we have. Almost every night, we do fall-down hugs. She said, oh. And she said, what else? And I said, well, like, almost, almost every school night, I sit on the floor and tell you and your brother stories. Just simple stories, but I try to give them little stories with character and, you know, people have to overcome or... 
I normally tell them stories about animals or whatever. It's our tradition. And she said, oh, like biscuits in the morning? We've been cooking biscuits almost every morning of this crazy COVID thing. That's why I weigh 700 pounds. Um, like biscuits in the morning and, and cinnamon rolls, she said. She's a very spiritual child. She too loves cinnamon rolls. Yes, we have traditions. The last lesson of spiritual blessing, divine impartation, is not how much money you have in the bank. I hope you have some money in the bank. It makes life better. The last blessing is not whether or not your house is the biggest house in the neighborhood. The last thing you do in this realm of spiritual pursuit, the last thing you do in this life of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness It's a legacy you live. You live, you demonstrate, and ultimately you give away your legacy. And so, that's what we do. We leave a legacy to all who will see. Not just our children. That's the obvious. But our spiritual children. The friends that we've invested in. The people we've taught Bible studies to. The individual you prayed for at work. All of it is a tradition. The first tradition is, I want to bless everybody. I want to bless everybody. I'm not being stingy with God's blessing. I'll bless anybody that will receive blessing because it's all going to be sorted out by the blesser. But I'm showing them my heart when I bless them. The second thing, the second thing after I have, after I have, I have been willing to uh, bless everybody. I've already forgot the second thing. Let me go back to my notes. Hold that thought. The second thing is Leaning on the staff, so to speak, and worshiping. I am a worshiper. My life is incomplete unless I'm worshiping God. And then the third thing is know who you are. Bury me with my fathers. I'm not an Egyptian. I'm just here for a little while. If I can do that, then I give a legacy to the world that God has placed me in and to the next generation who will carry this this gospel forward. Wherever you are, bow your head right now. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are honored by your, your gifts in our lives. You have not left us as you found us, but you have contended with us. You've convicted us. You've placed your hand like a potter upon our lives. Lord Jesus, if we have attained anything, it's been your work in our life. It's been your gift in our heart. We are partakers of that divine gift. We crave divine favor and we crave spiritual anointing. Oh, Lord Jesus, help it to pass through us to others. Don't let it end with us, oh God. But let it be our word that blesses another. Let it be our hand that represents the anointing of God. Let it be our uplifted arms in worship. Lord Jesus, let blessing not end with us. But let us only contain it long enough for it to overflow and fill the world in which we live with your blessing, your glory, and your anointing. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Our worship team is going to lead us in a song. I want you to take a moment and reflect. Take a moment and pray right where you are. Take a moment and, 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 and make your heart right with God right there in your living room. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.